0: Here we go. Here we go. There it is. There it is, man. All right, finally. So, yeah, this is always fun to try and troubleshoot half the time. (laughs)
1: Let me set this up here.
0: All right. I'm trying a new setup with this instead of turning it sideways yep <laughs> so see see how everyone likes it see how it works for me but how you been man
1: doing well doing well thanks for having me I appreciate yeah.
0: it it's been it's been a while all of a sudden <laughs> i see you on facebook just
1: change states moving all over the place yeah out here in illinois now working at illinois state and as assistant coach that's just
0: awesome man That's just yeah, awesome
1: it's been a blast this um leaving Pitt was hard obviously yeah. university of Pitt and uh dan fisher have a great program but it's been a nice experience for sure
0: that's good that's good to hear what's it like knowing that that you get to like i mean you're you're almost coaching against jen now at State. <laughs> that'll be interesting we uh
1: we played ohio state this past year and so it's pretty cool that she's um she's taken the position i'm glad they thought of her she's definitely qualified oh, yeah. and uh, i'm excited for her and her family to to get this role hopefully we can meet up sometime Oh yeah.
0: What do you think Steve's gonna do? You think he's gonna try and go back and uh, train in at Ohio State, like uh, try and get a uh, strength coach position?
1: Yeah, I I don't know. It's uh, I don't know his his background, but obviously Pittsburgh's not that far from Columbus, so they might be able to make something work for a little bit. Um, yeah. And then obviously see how how involved they still want to be with the club, and yeah, I don't know. It's exciting for him though.
0: Oh yeah. So um, I'll let you introduce yourself and kind of your journey with volleyball and from where you started, um, because what I didn't know about you, which I actually like was looking up a few things was that you came from California. Yeah. So that was like, for me, it's kind of mind blowing. I was like, okay, I've got a few questions right off the bat that I need to ask. So <laughs> but I'll let you go over that kind of like what your current uh, job duties are and all the places that yeah, you deal with.
1: For sure. Well, I started volleyball. I didn't start playing. Um, really until high school, until my freshman year of high school. And uh, so I played at Hemfield in in Pennsylvania, and uh, Coach Vogel was was my coach all four years, and I played for a small club called Damon's, and uh, they don't exist anymore. Um, But it it was fun. It was good good growing up, and I was fortunate enough to have boys' volleyball at at such a young age anyway. And then uh, went to play college at Springfield College under Charlie Sullivan, and uh, we won three national championships there and then got second my, uh, my junior year, um, my sophomore year. So weren't quite able to do it, but it was a fun experience. And then uh, I thought for sure, I was not gonna be in volleyball again. I, um, I tried to quit actually after high school and then again after college. And uh, so I went to California, I wanted to be in college athletics still, um, but I wanted, to be, I wanted to become an athletic director. And uh, so that was my goal. I went into development at University of the Pacific and uh, while I was out there, I ended up getting my master's degree as well in athletic administration. And I just, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to become an athletic director. I wanted to touch all as many lives as possible and uh, still be involved in college athletics. And so I thought that was the best route. Um, kind of funny, I asked my athletic director at the time, I was like, hey, I, I want to be you. I, how do I do this? And uh, he kind of gave me an ultimatum. He gave me two different routes that I could take. He said I could do... I could go to law school and uh, I'm not going to law school. (laughs) And so he said, why don't you go coach? And I was like, man, really? He goes, yeah, it'll give you a better perspective of what coaches have to go through on a daily, on a daily grind. And then once you have a better understanding of what that, what their job responsibilities and and duties are, then um, you'll be able to lead them a little better than if you think, you know, what's going on. If, rather than if you're an administrator the whole time. And so I took him up on it. I I applied for the ops position, director of operations at Pitt, and was, like I said, fortunate enough to get it and work for, for Dan Fisher there. And, um, yeah, now I'm here. It's it's definitely not the journey I thought I'd be taking, uh, yeah. but I'm sure grateful and happy that I am.
0: That's awesome. You know, it's actually really funny. Um, Your time, like, not, not so much like the exact years, but for the most part, the years you were at Springfield, that was – one of the schools I was going to transfer to. Really? Yeah. And I was like, I still want to play ball. I still want to play ball. And I knew that they had like a top tier D3 school. And I was like, uh, if I do, I'll end up playing defense or DS or libero or something. And I was supposed to go for athletic training.
1: Okay. And I they got weight wait- program for that.
0: Yeah. I got waitlisted for that. And then I was like, okay, well they offered like the ex science uh, position. And I was like, okay. And then I ended up kind of, you know, wagering some other stuff. And it's just funny. I was like, you know, that was that was like my dream school at the time. <laughs> and then and it's kind of funny, like just full circle with everything. Yeah. But um, so it's actually funny that uh, we talked about Jen. Um, I was reading an article and this actually just popped in my head. I was reading an article how they were talking that it doesn't seem to doesn't seem to apply to Big Ten coaches that, no, I mean, apply, that Mm -hmm. they need to be an assistant first in order to get a head coaching position. And they start listing off all of the, you know, at least all of the programs that had head coaches like that. Mm -hmm. And they actually titled Jen as, like, one of the big ones. And, you know, I kind of sat there and thought, like, you know, I get it. You know, you kind of want to show that you're willing to put in the work and you're not just going to have it handed but to like what extent what extent does all that experience really mean then like she she played on the national level international yeah. level and so does that equate to a division 1 athlete who's just coaching you know has been an assistant coach for 3 years
1: yeah it, it's it's different so she's been able to learn under coaches that I've not been able to right and so there there are a lot of opportunities that pop up in the world. My college coach never played volleyball. He ended up, and he's the most successful Division Three coach out there, I believe. Yeah. And um, he's never played. He he just got the job at Springfield because he lost a coin toss overseas. And so he applied to be a volleyball coach, and it just paid off. Um, but I think it's pretty cool because the coaches that are in volleyball are in there to, for the right reasons. They're in to help you. Um, I know I can call any – like even a coach I don't know. I'm like, hey, I need help. I I don't understand how to teach passing or I'm struggling with um, running an offense or how to scout an opponent. Mm-hmm. And it can be someone I don't know and they're going to answer. They're going to help you. Yeah. And I, I do think that's something that is kind of unique to volleyball compared to other sports. And so as long as you want to be there and you're in it for the right reasons, I think opportunities are going to come. Yeah. And uh, one did for Jen and it's perfect for her. And mm-hmm. even though she's not... She wasn't she was a college assistant at Illinois for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think I think she had some time previously. Um but she she's been around the sport. She's been a club director at a, a successful club for how many years? Yeah. Um, she's an Ohio State alum. She knows the area. It's it there's a lot that makes sense. And...
0: Yeah. Well, I just I just find it kinda of funny how you can almost like backdoor everything and just throw it off the side. Like it means nothing. And mm-hmm. just go, you know, does she deserve it? And, you know, I sit there, I, I'm just from the little that I got to work with her that, you know, the year that me and you were together and all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I kind of go, why doesn't she deserve it? You know? Yeah. And I, I think you can only, I think if you look at it like education, like after you get a master's, do you want to get another master's? Like all Personal? you're going to no. no. <laughs> Either. but like you know it's kind of the same thing like you need to expand and I don't think going back down to a bachelor's is going to really do anything for you mm-hmm. unless that's your only route mm-hmm. and even then I mean you kind of have to step laterally instead of going backwards mm-hmm. and it's I think there are a lot of coaches that that don't get that recognition that when they step into a position like they don't have the I'm not gonna say blind faith because it's kind of hard especially when you look at sports like football and know yeah. big pop- schools but you kind of have to give that to that person when they step in
1: for sure and she's she's proven a successful player and coach um she's able to run a pro a club which is probably harder than running a single program (laughs) and uh to some extent and so the fact that she's been able to do that for so long it's she has all the qualities all the attributes to be a successful coach and it's I think people get caught up because it's, oh, it's Ohio State, but it doesn't matter. Each program, they've got to put faith in you somewhere, and you've got to prove yourself. And I think it's a good opportunity for her to do that.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of it still stands with the people, like all the coaches that you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. Like who you have as your assistant? Who do you have as maybe an associate head coach? Who do you have as your trainer, if you can pick that ever? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not like football where they football come and
1: in. basketball. <laughs> they
0: come in and they go, okay, I want a different strength coach. I'm bringing mine with me you know, um, or, and you get lucky with a good director of ops or ADE or whoever it is. Um, I know it's, it's hard. Even
1: even times like this, just your president, like it's, it's the AD and the president. I mean, there, there are universities that are facing some crunch time right now and they're making some tough decisions and and then you see some universities that are fortunate; they don't have to, whether it be from enrollment funding, or uh, scholarships, or endowments, or things that way. And it's it's something I never would have thought of as being a younger assistant and what to look for in a in a program or a university as far as making choices to become a head coach. Right. And it's this this has been eye opening for me, anyway.
0: So, with with like, with playing and coaching between. California. So basically from the West to the East coast and now kind of the West, we'll say, I mean, Mm -hmm. I guess it's as Midwest as you're getting right now. (laughs) Um, Explain kind of the difference in playing style and like player development between ages in those, in those areas, because I know there's, there's plenty of like 16 year old teams on the West coast that could stomp some college teams.
1: Yeah, there's some pretty good ball out there.
0: Yeah, so like, kind of like go go over what what you've seen from coast to coast and the in the in between. And, For like, sure, it's in play?
1: I sometimes I I wonder, <clears throat> excuse me, how much of it is geographically because you get the west coast and obviously there's more beaches and you see a lot of people play sand out there. Like when I graduated, went out there, I went to Santa Cruz. And uh, I thought I was this young hotshot player. And so I tried to play beach with all these guys and I got my fricking lunch handed to me. And uh, so then I, the next day I just went and sat and watched and, and tried to pick it up. And I think there are differences in style and technique and in what region, I, but I think a lot of it comes down to opportunities that are afforded to you. And so volleyball itself is more prevalent on the West Coast than say New England, at least from my experience when I was up there. Um, but there's not as many opportunities to play in New England and it's not the premier sport. Right. So you go to California and it's one of the premier sports out there. You go to Florida or Texas and, and um, it's just caught on in those regions a little more. And I think a lot of it's geographically based on having sand or nice weather or being able to play outside. Or do you have, like for me, anyway, with boys, I had to convince my friends in high school to play with me, just so we could have a
0: team. And I was the same way. I was. I was yeah. I brought in.
1: And so you have to. It's not golf. You can't go play by yourself and get better. Um. You can, but you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, sorry. you you have to have numbers. You have to have people there to play to to feel competition, and it's just some of the resources that you're awarded or around or. It helps you, I think, more so than the geographic region that you're in. Yeah.
0: Now, like, and just like while, while you're like talking about it, you know, I'm sitting here thinking it's more of a, it's almost more of a climate issue. Mm-hmm. Like kind of what you're saying with the like geographical and, you know, I, you follow some of these accounts and stuff and you follow some of these programs and you look at like, um, we had a player from CCU went out to LMU mm-hmm. for 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 beach. And it's February or January and they're out there already without any problems, nothing, you know, year round plan. It might get down to what? 45, the lowest for them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, days about 65 the whole year, roughly. And (laughs) perfect, roughly perfect weather. And, you know, not a lot of their beaches are slanted. They're flat. They have a low grade on them. And I think, yeah, it's just kind of going off what you're saying. It's, it's, it's a lot of positional issues when mm-hmm. it comes down to it. And I wish like even out here in Carolinas, it, you, you do have to find sometimes the right spots. Um, I know Wilmington and Myrtle beach, you have a better shot at doing things, but I know once you, you have to go down to Charleston, if you're going to play other places or yeah. you've got to make your way down to Florida, you know, get down to like Deerfield beach or something. Mm-hmm. It's, it is one of those things. Like I wish, I wish there was more. We'll say finances to try and create those opportunities. Like those indoor. I know um, Hot Shots has some. Yeah. It's like up in Rochester, New York, mm-hmm. and around other places. I think they, they had some in Pittsburgh, didn't they?
1: They did, and then um, I know Columbus has some. Cleveland, um, a bunch in that area. Yeah. Even here, in, I'll go up to Chicago and play every now and then. They have a bunch of good tournaments up there so
0: um to so kind of like moving from that with with your time at Springfield, um obviously you're you know completing uh an accomplishment that not a lot of people have done, regardless of the level, you know, with three national titles out of four years and getting second on one. What is it like to consistently be at that level like what did it take?
1: It was fun. I enjoyed it
0: every step of the way. And I
1: think that's, it it was awesome. It was fun. Um, but what it took, I I think whether it's winning national championships or making the tournament or winning your conference tournament or making your conference tournament, it's what it takes is all the same. It, it's just, are you willing to put in the time? Are you willing to put in the, the effort and the energy it takes to, to become as good as you can be? Um, there's so, there's so many times that even growing up, I would, decide to play Xbox instead of playing volleyball or instead of workout or I would do like things like that or I like to fish or um, go on a hike or, and don't get me wrong, you're allowed to be a person to have your hobbies and all that, but the best in the world, the best of the best are spending time on their tree. And so I think, I think hard work and effort can overcome skill in a lot of areas and talent in a lot of areas. And I think that and buying into the program and your head coach um, whatever vision he or she sets, it's um, once you buy in right away, uh, it just allows you to work harder for them and for the team. Um, but I think it's effort. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, I believe it. I believe it. I watched like I got to watch um, Pepperdine play Loyola in an exhibition when mm-hmm. I was a freshman in college, and I was like blown away. When I like when I walk in and I'm the shortest one. And I'm almost, I'm six foot and I'm shorter than every single person, even the libero. <laughs> and I'm kind of going, wow, like this sport's way bigger than me. It's way bigger than what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. So like with, with your playing experience along with you, like your, your club coaching out in California and everything. And then coming back to Pitt, what are you taking into ISU to like, I shouldn't say like motivate you, but w- what are you using to fuel your goals for, for the program?
1: Yeah, uh, it's a good question. Our program, uh, so Leah Johnson, our head coach, mm-hmm. she's uh, she just finished her third year, and she's done a very nice job so far. Um, we won conference the last two years, made the NCAA tournament the last two years, and um, have not made it past the first round, <laughs> um, but it's getting better. And, and so what I can do for the program is nothing crazy because she's still the head coach. Uh, so I think my my biggest role is to support her in becoming the best head coach she can be, and I think that's something that a lot of assistants uh, miss out on, because they're I think they're in it for different reasons, whatever it may be. But you need to support your head coach as best you can because they're the ones that are ultimately going to get things done. And uh, so it's being loyal to him or her, uh, and then it's always being honest with him or her, and just if that's your opinion, you're allowed to have opinion. You're allowed to voice it. Um, But then understanding that it's still the head coach's decision. And so you need to back the head coach and, and keep it rolling. Um, But yeah, I I think just buying into her vision, her philosophy and um, doing anything I can do to make her the best she can be.
0: Okay. That's, I know that's a, that's a big one, especially for like young athletes. Um, I've got a few that I train and work with that watch this every weekend. Um, or ones that like when we've gone to club tournaments and I'm talking to other club coaches and other college coaches that come by they're like, how do you know these people? And I'm like, you know, there's been times where you kind of just bump shoulders and you go, Hey, how are you doing? I'm so-and-so, you know, Mm -hmm. you just exchange information or you end up working for them or working with them. And you kind of just go, okay, I'm willing to take, and then this is going to sound really, Will say harsh, but I'm willing to take a verbal beating to listen and work harder. Yep. And to kind of get shaped. And it's mm-hmm. not always negative and it's not always positive, but I'm willing to be molded in a way to just say, okay, I'm gonna put my pride aside and go, what do I wanna accomplish? And what do I wanna see everyone else do?
1: Molded's a great term. It's, um, you come in and every young assistant, uh, even a head coaches, it's fun because you come in, you have a thousand ideas what you think is going to make the program better. And you just want to go, 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 go. And you want to fire them all in there. Um, and it's good. It's exciting. That's why some coaches like to hire people they don't know it, for the new ideas and everything that way. It's, uh, But if an, an idea doesn't work, then you got to realize that. And that yeah. I think that's where your, your molding comes in because you have to be open to being wrong and then being criticized for it. And, but it's never – it's never a personal attack on you or your intelligence or anything that way. Cause we're all trying the same thing. We're all trying to win more games. We're all trying to get our players to graduate and find jobs. And, and so we all want the same thing. And once you get past that, it, it's not directed at you, then you can, like what you said, you can become molded. You can learn a lot more. It, it just becomes a new opportunity for you.
0: So what with like, with all the, all the athletes you dealt with so far, um, so far, with the last season, I saw you guys went um, 22 and 12. Um, mm-hmm. What you know, and just like you said, getting through that that first round is that is that roadblock right now. Yeah. Um, how, after that match was done how how did you guys basically start back over? Like, what was the first couple of things you guys talked about in that post game meeting, and then getting ready for spring?
1: Uh, post game meeting was. Uh obviously tough. <laughs> uh, but it was all love. I, our our team played hard. Uh, we played Wisconsin in the first round and, and we took them to extra points and we had a set point and we played them tough. We played them well. And uh, so it's a lot of love. It's season's over. There's nothing you can do um, at that point. So it's it's all looking forward. And so what can we do come spring ball to make our team better? And then how about now over summer? What when a big curveball is thrown at everyone, how are you going to be able to to adapt on the fly? And so you have a you have a summer plan where uh, you have camps and clinics, and you can go see players at, at tournaments. And then all of a sudden, one day it's it's done. And so I I think we'll be able to see the teams that are putting in a lot of effort now and finding ways to to pivot or, or find a new direction. Um, I think we'll see some prosperity come full.
0: Yeah, and I, I I think this will also be a good. Um, it'll be a good thing in the long run because you see a lot of ingenuity now, you see a lot of creativity, a lot of people getting really smart, and you know it's not. Like the one thing I try and tell players is you you have the tools, you just don't know how to use them, and mm-hmm. I think this is gonna be one of those moments where like something f- clicks in their mind, and then they start using tools in ways that they didn't think were possible or didn't fit in certain areas or they have multiple uses When they, you know, you start thinking one dimensional and then that kind of that box blows up.
1: Well, you can see it in recruiting videos now. Yeah. I, I saw one on, online the other day, the, uh, the young lady, she, she was working out on her farm and she had two buckets of water on either side of a stick and she was doing squats. Like they're getting, they're becoming pretty creative and it's pretty cool to see them still find a way to, to either work out or train or stay in volleyball or at least think about the recruiting process. It's, it's pretty cool. You're seeing a lot of creativity.
0: Um, so what would be your, how would you define your coaching philosophy and what favorite attributes in athletes kind of help push that?
1: Yeah, my coaching philosophy. I, um, I want to be as honest as, as I can be with all the players and and honest with myself uh, and and knowing what my weaknesses might be and um, because I know I have a lot and uh, what's what my strengths are and uh, so we talk to our team a lot about leaning into our strengths and so that's something that I think I'm I'm starting to believe a lot more in and put into my coaching philosophy um, because at the college level you're getting you're being recruited or you're playing well or you're making all conference or whatever it may be because of your strengths mm. and um they're not saying oh she's a she's not a great blocker let's give her all conference yeah right? so she's getting it she and she's not a great blocker she's probably really good at, at passing or hitting or something that way and so i think my coaching philosophy is be honest let them know what their strengths and weaknesses are what they might need to work on a little bit um, but then to build them up uh, i see a lot of coaches and i used to be this way a little bit where they they want to overcoach kind of and and kind of tear them down a little bit. Um, that's not our job, I don't think. That's not our role. Our role is, our role is to build them up, and to make them as good as they can be. Uh, there's a lot of potential, and they just have to find it.
0: I've seen um, like when when it comes to finding those weaknesses and and building them. Um, I, I I think one of the and obviously it's now it's becoming more. I'm not going to say mainstream, but um, accepted, maybe that's the wrong word too, but um, programs bringing in, you know, Navy SEALs or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, military personnel and doing those rigorous, we'll say more rigorous team bonding, Mm -hmm. like almost like a, almost like a hell week in a sense. And I I think it's a great, it's a great way to kind of, if you, if you don't work together, you sink one of those Mm -hmm. things and to really start, like, loving your teammate. Yeah. Like – It's – I,
1: So I've been – I've not gotten to do one of those yet. We did one at Pitt, uh, but it wasn't quite, like, a Navy SEAL training. It, we ran a bunch of laps and did some push-ups and, and some lunges or whatever. Um, but I think it's – I think it is good, depending on how it's ran. Um, mm. But it can become very good for the team because people grow – I believe people grow stronger with one another through – turbulence through tough times and um and so you put them in a tough time and you see what what their teammates if they pick them up if they or if you're leaning on your teammates for support or um things of that nature so not the the rigorous strength part of it it's cool um but i think a lot of it becomes team building because you need help and no one's going to like, vulnerability is huge, right? You need to be vulnerable if you want to grow, if you want to have true friends and, and um, good teammates and things that way. And uh, going through a tough time, such as a Navy SEAL training, will definitely bring that up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, how much, how much do you really try and – and I'm not saying, like, completely break them, but how much do you try and, like, we'll say, buff the edges mm-hmm. and then kind of crack it a little bit and then fill it back in? Like how far do you go as a coach in order to kind of we'll say pull out those negative attributes if they do have any?
1: Hopefully you don't have to go far. Um, yeah. we, we have a pretty good program here. And so our, our team is uh, they're elite in that aspect, I think. And so I, it doesn't take much really. You let them know, uh, you show them in film or, or something that way. And, uh, and then over time they will bring it to your attention. And so if if you bring it up to them, if you mention it, if you show them in film, then you have them tag themselves in some clips where they're doing it well. Then all of a sudden they see themselves doing it well over time. And um, it's like form follows function a little bit. So they they see it on the computer screen, they know they can do it, and now they replicate it. And so I I think it's our job to to point it out, obviously. Um, But I think it's, if the program is strong if the culture is strong then uh they'll be able to bring build themselves up through through reps or through watching and um it shouldn't take that much
0: yeah um so for like all the young like the younger athletes you know Mm -hmm. when when they're starting to really get into more intense and critically thinking um matches like Mm -hmm. i would say probably 14 15 when they start playing you know if they if they're playing at that like power or we'll say like uh, a premier level and uh, at what point, or do you think it's a coaching style? Like, uh, like you said, a culture issue Um at what point should the athlete realize that they have to kind of start doing things on their own rather than start leaning on their coach so much?
1: Yeah, it, that's a tough one. Cause 14 and 15, are, at least in my opinion, when they're learning the sport, Um, 12s and 13s, you're just having fun, right? You're enjoying the sport for what it is, you might pick up a couple things, but you're just having a good time. Um, But I think at 14 and 15, you're starting to learn some skills, you're starting to learn how an offense works, or what an arm swing should look like, or what an ideal one is, and um, how to pass and you're starting to learn some of the fundamentals. And I think I, I think it's important to just keep working through it, but you don't ever want to get to the point where you're working through it so much that you lose the love of the game.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, I I think at that age it that's hard to find a healthy balance there because you want them to get better. You can see a lot of potential, um, but at the same time they're 14. They want to have fun, and that's um, a tough age for me. <laughs>
0: yeah, I've I've found that 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 like middle school high school transition is it can be hard and then you have those that you see it in the back of their eyes that you know, you're never going to have to push them. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's just about, I found my biggest thing and it comes in the weight room as well for me is getting them to slow down,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: not get too frantic, Mm -hmm. um, is to really kind of take a big breath, maybe not physically, but just mentally go, Hey, it's one rep, you know, even watching some of the, um, conference tournament clips and stuff that that um like avp network and stuff have been like replaying over and over um is you know girls that lose the last point of the match on a stuff block like on a one-on-one when you know a lot of times you know i've i've coached is you should never get roofed on a one-on-one you should always (laughs) fall through but you have those girls like you know it's one of those things in the back of their mind that they they break it you know how do they stand back up and keep going and go? It's one point, even though the season's over. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's it's a hard one. It whether it's volleyball or the person that's missing the jump shot at the buzzer beater, uh, it's it's sport. And I I think for me anyway, that's why I love sports so much. Um, I love competing. First off, competing is awesome. It doesn't have to be a sport. It can be checkers, like whatever, as long as you're competing. Um, but I think that's the cool part. And so I, um, yeah, I missed the jump serve. One time we, it wasn't the match, but it was a set and took us down Oh two. And, um, it's, it's one of those things it's going to happen. If you play sport long enough, whether you're from 14 through college. And then if you're fortunate and want to play pro you're playing the sport. And even if you're not, all of a sudden you go from indoor to beach. And like you have a second life, a second career again. Yeah. And uh, you're playing the sport for 10 or 15 years. You're going to get blocked to lose the match at some point. You're going to miss a serve to lose the set at some point. You're, you're going to double it. It's going to happen. And uh, I think at a young age, it's tough to get over. Um, I think it's up to the coach to, to at least instill a culture of of taking risks, of going for it. It doesn't matter if it's 24, 23. I want you swinging hard. Um, yeah. I want you trying to score, and I think I truly believe that will put confidence in them, so if they do miss it, if they hit long and all of a sudden now it's twenty four twenty four that they have enough faith in you as a coach and what you're trying to do that they don't need to slow down anymore like they can go even harder if they want yeah. um, and i yeah, it's just go for it, hopefully you hopefully you installed a culture that your teammates will pick you up.
0: So, I've got um, one more question for you. Uh, and sure. Then I'll open up like the last, we'll say, 15 minutes for, like, questions from anyone watching or anything. I know I already have a question right now i got to look at. Um, but it's a uh, an attribute question. So, okay. what I've done is you're going to have your – we've kind of condensed four positions down to two with the outside and right side just put in as the pin hitters. Okay. And then Libero just put in as – uh, sorry, as Libero. Yeah. So you have your pins, your setter, your middles, and your libero. Um, you have four attributes. Each attribute has a different description. I'll read them to you as many times as you want me to. Okay. Um, so you have your engine, who is your endurance, Your hard, like your, your work ethic for the team. Um, maestro was your advanced ball control. Um, marksman, your hitting and reaction. Um, and backbone, which will be your advanced footwork and your court awareness. So which would you match to what and why?
1: Okay. The first one was engineer. Engine. Engine. (laughs) My engine would be my setter. Okay. Um, A lot of the times in volleyball anymore, you don't see as many six rotation players which um, it's kind of a bummer for the sport, I think. Uh, but yeah. you don't see as many. And so even with setters now. Um, but I think the team revolves around the setter. Setter's touching the ball every time. The only player touching the ball every time. And um, she's probably your court captain as well. And so if she's not putting in full effort and if she's not somebody that the team wants to play for, um we got to start looking at some things, <laughs> but I, I'd put my setter with the engine for that reason. Okay. Uh, mar- the what was the second one? Uh,
0: you got marksman, uh, marksman, maestro, and backbone. So, maestro. What
1: yeah. was maestro again?
0: Uh, ball control.
1: Bro, yeah. Mark, um, mainly because I want her to pass as much of the court as she can. Uh, you see a lot of time two per- two person passes. You look even at um. Uh, mary lake at byu and she's pretty much got the whole backcourt herself um and so if you can pass if you can pass the ball it doesn't matter who you are if you can pass you're going to find a team to play on and uh if you're able to pass well over time it's even better um and so i'd put that with the bro okay marksman i'd go with the outside with the, or the right side the pin okay and so i'd put marksman with the pin Mainly because they're going to get most of the balls. Most of the game is played out of system, in my opinion. Yeah. And so, are you able to have more tools than just power or a tip? Can do you have a roll? Do you have a shove off of hands? Do you have sharp line cross? <clears throat> like what? What's in your tool bag that um, at 24, 24 and you're facing a triple? Uh, like what? What can you do to still score other than just roll a ball into to play? Um, so I'd have a pin be my marksman. And then the – what was the last one? Uh, Backbone. Backbone for the middle. Um, I think middle is the most thankless position out there. (laughs) You have to work 10 times harder than everyone else, and you do not see the rewards as everyone else. So you could get lost on a block, but you're still expected. Like if you're beat and you step the wrong way, you're still expected to try and make a recovery move and get hands over the net. If you make that recovery move, now you're probably late on your transition to approach. And you might not get the ball, and that has to be okay. That just has to be okay. And so you've got to work diligently on your footwork patterns, whether it be blocking or trans to approach. And uh, I think it's an effort position, and it's a uh, that's one. If you find a good middle, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I've uh, I've had the same talk with my middle from uh, my seventeens about um her wanting to play in college and mm-hmm. i literally said hey you know you are going to have to understand that you are going to be absolutely burnt out almost every single tournament day you have to expect to be worn out expect to work and you might not touch a ball an entire set to hit but you're going to be expected to be a wall when you're up there yeah. and you know it is it is cool to see kids In those big adversity positions like that, and just see them go after it.
1: Yeah, it's the I love going out to club tournaments and watching middles for some. Like I'm a setter, so I'm drawn there first. But then second, I look at middles because I love to see who's working hard even without the ball. And I think it's a quality that doesn't get talked about all that much. And um, it's just it's neat. All right.
0: So I actually just thought of another one. Okay. Um, so the attribute question I've actually been doing with everybody. Okay. Um, uh, it kind of helps me see where you, where all the coaches' minds are with how you coach. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen, I think, I've had, I think, five people now, four or five people, and I've had a different setup every single time. Really, for the most part, yeah. So it's it's pretty cool to see um, from people who've been in the game. You know, five ten years to the ones who are just starting or right in the middle. So it's it's just interesting to see how the coaching styles change, and just mm-hmm. to see like what works and what works for what area and what works more or less for like what program.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: So um, my other question would be, what do you think are the three hardest positions to play? And in order, one uh, we'll say three being, we'll say one being the hardest position and three being the least hardest position so you only get to pick three
1: so the
0: hardest I think is middle
1: uh, for the reasons I stated it's it's a thankless position and you have to be okay working really hard even knowing you're not getting the ball as much Um, and I I just it's tough Um, second hardest probably the setter Mm -hmm. and I think it's because setting's tough because you want location and consistency every time, and so at least with, and you have to be able to contort your body at the net or change tempos or paces. Like if the if the pass is closer to zone four, you're going to set a little quicker, and you just you have to be playing with your team long enough to figure out their flow and their rhythm. Um, I, I just think that part's tough with it, um, and there's just so much leaning on you. Like again, I like I said, you're the engine at that point, and uh, so not only is it your skill set as far as physical skill set, but what's your mental skill set, and, and how willing are you to work for your teammates so that they return it? Okay. Um, so I think there's other things there, and then after that, outside, um, Uh-oh. just because of the sheer volume that you're expected to, to do, and I'm looking at that from a six rotation, yeah. Obviously, you have to be a strong passer. You have to be able to terminate uh, because you're probably going to get the highest percentage of ball, so you have to be able to kill. And uh, and then at the higher levels, you've got to be able to run multiple sets. So is it a high ball in system? Is it a 32? And then, or is it back row at this point? And how many back row? You you look at um, Baylor, and they're running three, four different back row sets. And uh, so you have to figure out footwork patterns for each of them. And President, he's obviously fantastic at it. <laughs>
0: well, I have Okay, well, I can't read these. <laughs> they are. <laughs> uh, well, it looks like we're Russian. Um, I will have to translate those later. <laughs> <laughs> from somebody in Russia. That's first. <laughs> um, but if anyone else has one, just uh, submit it while we're kind of going back and forth. Um, You're now- more than
1: welcome to share my email as well. Okay. I will, and uh, I'm happy to take any email questions or whatever people might have. Obviously, NCA stuff I might be a little different, but no, I understand.
0: I will. I'll. I'll definitely. Um, I'll post that later. Okay. Um, after we're done, I'll put that on there. Uh, that way, if anyone has a question or anything, they'll. I'm sure you'll probably get one or two at least. Yeah, and then, yep. yeah, we'll work through it. Okay. Um, so what? What do you feel is really the like leading leading reason to a lot of the changing in um playing styles like five ones are starting kinda like you said five ones you don't see a lot of them or as much as it used to be why why lean back towards six two Is it just because setters aren't as athletic or is it just you get a better flow and you have more options with a taller attack
1: yeah it's it's tough. I, I've been a five-one fan my whole for ever because I was seven. Right, I wanted. I didn't want to leave the court. Um, but at some point, you got to look at who do you have in the gym, who's on your team, and what skill sets do they have that um, that match up with a five-one or a six-two. And so you look at Pitt. When I was out there, they had a, a setter Kamalani Akeo, and she's five-six. I mean, she's little, and she got a just her forearms over the net blocking, uh, but she was a five-one setter at Pitt and was one of the best setters in the conference. And so you can overcome that if your setting is just so extraordinary, your leadership or your defense. Or um, I think it I think it starts at a younger age, and so a lot of a lot of um, if you're tall, you're just going to be put in the middle, and if you have. I think if you're just the best setter you're just gonna, you're just gonna be a setter from the start because no team can function without a setter yep. and so I think it just starts at a younger age and if you happen to grow great and maybe you warp positions from middle and then all of a sudden you're you're six four outside and and uh, and learn how to pass and things that way but I think a lot of people get tunnel vision in owning an identity of instead of I'm a volleyball player i'm'm I'm an athlete they say sure. I'm a setter. And they don't want to change then. Um, or the coach doesn't want to change. No, you're my setter. No, you're a volleyball player. Like, go be an athlete.
0: So I've got one for you, and you might be in the doghouse on how you answer this one. Um, that, it says, who's your favorite Redbird volleyball player? Um, it's Kendi, right?
1: Is it Kendi Hilliard?
0: Yes. <laughs> What's up, uh, Kendi? It depend how you answer this one. Um,
1: <laughs> it's got to be her. no she's awesome she's uh she's from texas just finished her freshman year and um yeah we have a great
0: relationship that's good man. that's good it's good to hear it's always it's always nice to hear coaches whenever they're talking that they smile about their players Mm -hmm. like there's there's no second thoughts like it kind of just comes comes right out you don't have to think about it yeah unless you're trying to like describe them in a certain way it's always nice to see that
1: yeah, she's um, – it's fun. Like I said, uh, our head coach has done a wonderful job with recruiting and yeah. makes it easy.
0: So when um, – I know I asked um, Jen uh, Mills, well, now Heron, from Clarence, mm-hmm. um, this question, and it's kind of – I mean, I'm just going to ask you it too to see what, what maybe you see, is with COVID and all that's going on, how are you picking out new – I'll rephrase it. How are you picking out – through all the new submissions for recruits, how do you decipher without looking at like actually live play? How do you start funneling those down?
1: Yeah, it's tough. It's uh, something obviously none of us have had to work through at this extent and um, we're getting better. Uh, Film is great, but a lot of people do highlight clips and so you don't you don't get to see them in between points as far as seeing them as a as a person or a teammate, um, you don't get to see errors and how do how do they manage errors are they are they going to be mopey or are they going to be like no bring it on and swing harder the next time or whatever, um, so you miss a lot of that, and uh, so it's tough but you just hope there's enough good over time that it becomes worth it.
0: <laughs> so so with with putting in like film and stuff to, um, coaches. Um, whether it's to give it to your recruiting coordinator for your club or to send it right to a coach, do you – is it a good idea just to put in your positive highlights or do you add in points or like one or two points surrounding that play, you know? I love seeing everything
1: Um, because if we only see highlights on the clip, when we go watch you live, we'll, we'll be able to see everything. So I want I want to see mistakes. I want to see how if you if it was uh you miss by two inches because you're really trying to hit line. I think that's great. Go for it. Um, and so I like to see a little bit of everything.
0: And how much how much is too much when it comes to film? Like w- w- with you receiving it, we'll say. Yeah,
1: depends on the level of interest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but two minutes I think is a good clip. We'll be able to if there's um. 45 seconds, because it's just a highlight at that point. So 30, 45 seconds of great attacks, 30, 45 seconds of passing or blocking or setting, or, um, but two minutes is a good length, I think.
0: Okay. And, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like a lot, but, I mean, I think some people don't realize that each play lasts, what, could be 10 seconds, Yep. if that. And it's great to see what could be five, six seconds of – the outside has a serve receive, has a pass transition and gets the ball. There's one play and you already have five, six seconds. It's, I I get this question with people asking, oh, you know, how much do I include? Do I need to do a skills tape right now? Do I need to do this? And I I always try and err on the side of caution and say, okay, well let's go ahead and do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Just for you one to get touches and two, you can always, you don't have to send it and you can kind of use it as, um, a progress report
1: mm-hmm.
0: on where were you three months ago compared to now even though now is more of a controlled environment and now what do you need to change
1: yep and you can even do it as film breakdown as far as progress report but also you just hit 10 balls in a row what does my slow to fast my footwork look like what does my double arm left look like am i am i in an okay frame am i like is my chest facing the setter, or am I closed? You can, um, you can break down a lot too with film. So whether you send it or not, it, like you said, it's a, it's a great progress report. Break it down, look at yourself with a critical eye and then look at yourself doing things well. So I, like I said, it, it's good to see what you need to improve on, but I think it's better to see what you're doing well and lead into their strengths and, and just be become better that way. Yeah. So, um,
0: so I don't have anything more for you. Mr. Becker, um, nice. uh, this was a lot of fun. It was great catching up with you, man.
1: Yeah, it was good seeing you again. Thanks for thinking of me.
0: Oh, no problem. So uh, what would be your final words to any athletes watching this, um, whether they're just starting the game, um, are two, three years deep, or are looking to play in college?
1: Yeah, keep going. Right now is a tough time. Um, don't let this ruin the spirit of volleyball. Like find a way to, to pepper against your wall. As cheesy as it sounds, it's a way to stay in the in the sport, um, work out, go outside, and um, just try to enjoy it as much as you can right now. And then, once you do come back, realize what this was like, and yeah. um, realize this is always something that could happen again. And uh, so, just be grateful for the opportunity that you have and um, or will have again in the future. And just love your teammates.
0: Okay, I love it. <laughs> Alright man, well you, you take it easy. Um hopefully, we'll say hopefully. Um everything gets back to normal soon. For sure. Um that way uh I know some of the some of the universities are coming back in, in the fall. Um and at least I'll say with that, we'll hopefully say that uh, athletics are doing the same.
1: I'm looking forward to it. I hope so too.
0: <laughs> if if for some reason we can cross paths, we'll figure it out. And uh We'll just kind of take it day by day, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Easy. Uh, It was great talking to you.
1: All right. Take care. Thank you so much. And I really do appreciate it.
0: Hey, no problem, man. You Have a good day.
1: Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.